When you have an entity that is not affirming, submitting, or promoting the truth of God, they are not angelic. They are demonic in nature. It doesn't matter how nice they look. So we need to make sure what we're interacting with, if that happens, that it is actually affirming Christ. And if it does not in any way, shape, or form, honey, it is not angelic. It is demonic. It is not Christ. It is evil. Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast, a podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it. We keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Davison with Mama Bear Apologetics, and I want to welcome you to a Mama Bear Roar. This is a quick podcast to help acquaint you with a subject that is currently affecting you or your kids and to help you roar through it and point your kids back toward truth. Now, I don't know about you, but fall has always been one of my favorite seasons. I love the colors and the smells and the pumpkin spice lattes, but it's one of these times a year where we see a rise in the interest in the paranormal. I mean, it is everywhere. There are magazines in the grocery stores talking about ghost stories and haunted hotels. There are TV shows like Paranormal Witness that are coming right at your kids and new movies in the theaters where teens are interacting with the paranormal and it is not going well, y'all. So it is important for us to be able to speak life into this subject because just like fanny packs of the 90s are coming back, so is an interest in the occult that was also popular in the 90s. So for this edition of our Mama Bear Roar, we are going to roar through the concept of ghosts. And so if you're new to Mama Bear, roar is basically discernment in action, and it comes in four parts. So the very first part is R, recognize the message. So when we're going to look at ghosts, we're going to see what people say ghosts are, sort of the background, how they deal with it. Then we're going to, oh, offer objective discernment, meaning we're going to point out the things that are good and also point out the things that are bad or false within these teachings, because there are a lot of falsehood that's in there that your kids may not recognize. We're also going to offer a healthier approach, which means through this whole process, we're going to be pointing back to Christ and recognizing the true and the good intentions, maybe throughout this seeking after the paranormal or wanting to understand more about it. But how we go about it is vastly important because it communicates what we believe about God and gives a proper witness to who he is or potentially a falsehood if we handle it wrongly. Next, we're going to reinforce with further conversations because when we are parenting our kids, it is not a one and done conversation. Instead, it is lifelong discipleship. And we are going to pursue boldly into this topic that maybe may not be very familiar to you, but hopefully you'll be equipped with some background and some more information to have good, fruitful conversations. So let's take a look at ghosts. And we have to start out at the very beginning is what is being alleged about what ghosts are. So if you've ever 
maybe read a ghost story before or seen some of these shows that are popular on Lifetime where you have these ghost hunters or 3 a.m. challenges are really big on social media with kids. What is a ghost? It is often said that a ghost is a disembodied human spirit that can be anchored to an individual. It can be anchored to a place like a graveyard or a house, or it is even said that it can be anchored to an object like potentially dolls, as in like the movie Annabelle is based on an alleged account of a spirit taking over this doll. And so these these spirits anchor themselves to these things. And it's usually based out of trauma or potentially unfinished business. So if there's a lot of stories of hotels that are haunted, and there's usually a tragic backstory of a Victorian bride who was jilted on her wedding night, and she ended up hanging herself in the process. And now she just stays within this hotel and walks the hall looking for her lost love. Or potentially there was a, a loss of a child. And so now there is this alleged child spirit uh, in this home. And so it is usually based within this trauma that they are are stuck where they're at or stuck with a, a person. Perhaps it could be someone has said, well, this was the great, great granddaughter. So the spirit is anchoring itself to this granddaughter for whatever reason. And it could also be to have uh, or complete unfinished business. So this is often the case that we see in these ghost shows of this ghost had something they needed to do that they lost their life before they were able to accomplish this goal. And so it's up to us physical human beings to now help this disembodied spirit complete its final goal because then they'll be able to transcend into the other side and find rest and closure. That's what's often said. Now, these ghosts are said to be either good or evil, depending on how they were in their former life. So if while they were alive, they were a nice person, this will typically be a good ghost. You can kind of think of this as like a Casper situation. Or if they were a bad person, maybe they were evil, they vilified people. They are now evil in their their next life, their spiritual life. And so these would be more of the violent ghosts that are maybe throwing objects or uh, yelling out commands that are picked up on like these EVPs and, and different uh, recording devices. And so they could also be evil. And these are different from what is often shown on TV shows of residual energy. So residual energy is a bit like the spiritual version of a GIF. You know how a GIF, how it's like an image that just plays over and over. So that is what's considered residual energy. And that's where you see uh, hotels claim that, oh, we have a ghost that roams the hall and you'll hear the footsteps. So basically it just plays out this same action over and over, but there's no interaction really with human beings. Whereas ghosts, are said to be able to interact with the living. They can speak to them. They can potentially move objects. They can answer questions when asked of them, either by the individuals searching after them, by mediums, or potentially by, by Ouija boards. And these are also different from what you would think of as a poltergeist. So a poltergeist, if you've ever read Harry Potter, you know of the, the ghost called Peeves. So he was not really a ghost. He was a poltergeist. He was just this negative energy just bent on destruction. So again, these are very different from what we would commonly think of as ghosts, which is more, which are more interactive, it is said. 
Now, there is a lot of information given on how you are to get rid of them if you by chance happen to buy a Victorian home off realtor.com and it turns out to come with some undead guests. So what they say is you can perform rather a formal or even an informal ceremony. There is often said that if you burn sage, if you cleanse the room with black salt or uh, perhaps a, a prayer or even hand gestures. Teen Vogue had an article on how to tell if your house is haunted and what to do about it. And one of the things they recommended were to conduct these sort of ceremonies and cleansing ceremonies. Just giving a deep clean to the room can potentially make a ghost go away. You can have the house prayed over by a priest or potentially even invoking the name of Jesus to make the ghostly entity leave. Or as a lot of these ghost shows encourage you to do is to set up a sort of ghost space, meaning there was an episode to where it was said that there was a child ghost dwelling within the house. And so, oh, well, instead of making the ghost leave because it's a child, you wouldn't want to make a child go away. Instead, you should sort of set up toys for the ghost that are specific to the ghost. Those are just their toys and they've got a cute little chair. And now you've got this sort of ghostly space. So it's like they've got their space and you've got yours. And that's supposed to be that happy medium to where now the ghost will leave you alone because they now have their own spot and room of the house. And so these are just options that you can give to either make the ghost go away, allegedly, or to live in harmony with the ghost. And that is what we're seeing a lot of what is on these shows, what are uh, being put on these challenges on interacting. Heck, there are even apps you can download on your phone, no lie, that will help you communicate with the spirit realm. So what do we do with all this information? What do your kids do? Because most kids are drawn to the spiritual realm. I mean, we all remember campfire stories, right? A good ghost story is thrilling, but we need to make sure that we're addressing it well. So first, what we need to do is acknowledge that there are some good within, there is some good going on here. So for one, it acknowledges the existence of the spiritual realm. And Ephesians 6.12 is very clear. It says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. World and against the spiritual forces of the of evil in the heavenly realms. So it rightly acknowledges that there is in fact a spiritual realm. And it also acknowledges that we as humans, we are not just material beings. In fact, there are multiple, multiple passages that affirm this truth. First Thessalonians 5.23 is one of them. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of your Lord Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 also, and the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit return to God who gave it. And James 2, 26, lastly, for the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works it is dead. So again, we see this acknowledgement that humans are more than just physical beings. And it also recognizes that the spiritual realm interacts with the physical realm. And we see that, I mean, just flip open the book of Mark and you see this happening repeatedly. I mean, it is like an action uh, movie of spiritual interaction that Jesus has had, not only with uh, the demonic realm, but we also see even a possessed man within a graveyard within Mark 5. And so when we look at scripture, we see, yes, the spiritual realm exists and that we as human beings, we are also uh, part spirit. However, there are some problematic teachings within the modern concept of ghosts. And it starts very basically with the definition of a ghost. For one, 
it is not a disembodied spirit of a person. So this is not, when we think of ghosts, this is not a formerly alive human being. No, this is purely demonic. Hebrews 9.27 makes no uh, mistakes about any of this. Man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Meaning that when we die, there is no sort of earthly field trip we get to take if we haven't finished our to-do list. Nope, we are to face judgment. Now there is a bit of a debate on how quickly this happens after death. This podcast is not here to address that. But what it is clear is that there's no wandering around prior to judgment. You're not going to haunt your grandma's sock drawer. Uh, Great Aunt Ethel is not wandering around the basement somewhere. No, when we die, that's it. There's no further communion with this earthly realm. And we even see this in Luke 16, 19 through 31, when we read about the rich man and Lazarus. So he begs, he begs God, the rich man begs God to send Lazarus as witness to his, his living relatives of the spiritual realities that happen after death. And God says, no, if they're not going to believe the laws and the prophets, they're not going to believe the ghost of Lazarus. So we see here, once again, a further denouncement that when we die, we are not coming back to this earth and so when, what then are these ghosts? Well, there are only two options. They can be demonic or angelic. And what we see very often is this is not angelic at all. In fact, actually, when we look at the nature of demons, remember what Satan's goal is. Satan's goal is to distract and deceive. In fact, there's one of the things that I loved about the movie Nefarious when uh, the inmate was asked, okay, you know that God is going to win in the end. So what is the point of even fighting against him as a demon? And he goes, look, we know we're going to lose. He goes, but our goal is to destroy what God loves. And so how do they do that? By distracting and deceiving humans. And so we are told that demons can appear like angels of light. And so that's why we need to have discernment when we have a perceived interaction with a, a spiritual entity. Some people say, well, it, it's an angel that I'm having an interaction with. Okay, Joseph Smith thought that he was interacting with an angel, but actually when you look at what the angel was saying, it was contrary to the scripture of God, contrary to the nature of God, and did not point toward him at all. And so when you have an entity that it is not affirming submitting or promoting the truth of God, they are not angelic. They are demonic in nature. It doesn't matter how nice they look. So we need to make sure what we're interacting with, if that happens, that it is actually affirming Christ. And if it does not in any way, shape or form, honey, it is not angelic. It is demonic. It is not Christ. It is evil. So we have to be careful because John 10, 10 makes it very clear that they are just here to deceive. And one of the ways they can do that is by making themselves look vulnerable, like vulnerable child ghosts or, you know, an elderly ghost or a, a jilted bride. I mean, we see these stories very often. And what that does is that causes us to want to help. It causes us to want to interact. And we, by nature, kind of have a draw toward that spiritual realm. So there's that allure there as well. So it plays off these natural desires that are good in and of themselves. Helping is good in and of itself. Wanting to draw near the spiritual is good in and of itself. But if our goal, if our focus is in the wrong direction, we will be led astray. So we have to be careful and recognize that what is going on when we encounter these stories on TV, more than likely, a lot of them are fake. I mean, when you actually look, it's, you know, a gust of wind blew open the door or perhaps the people have a cat. I mean, I have a cat in my house. He knocks stuff over in the middle of the night, makes crazy crashing noises 
all the time. You would almost think our house is possessed. And nope, we are just have a cat in the house. That could just be what's going on. And so recognizing that not everything we see is true, but in cases where there actually is activity, more than likely it is demonic in nature. And you can even see that in how these folks are interacting with these, with these beings. They're saying, okay, well, we need to bring mediums in to communicate with it. We need to try to communicate with the ghosts, which we're told in scripture, and we'll get to that in just a second, that we are not to do that. We're to communicate with God, not with ghosts, and definitely not with mediums. Which brings us to our next point, is the use of mediums. This happens all the time within these shows and movies, whether it's a medium itself or a device that you can use, like a Ouija board, or in the movie Talk to Me that has just released in the fall of 2023, towards this embalmed hand that these teens use to communicate and summon spirits. We are not to dabble with these things because what it does is it is us actively communing in an act of worship with the demonic, with the spiritual. This is opening ourselves up to demonic oppression. And so this is a very dangerous act. That's why we're told in Leviticus 19.31, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. Again, anytime we seek out an entity that is not God for wisdom, communication, we are seeking them as if we would seek them like God. And that is an abomination. We are not to do that. In fact, Isaiah 8, 19 through 20 says, when they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not the people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living to the law and to the testimony? So why would we go and seek advice about the living from the dead when we should go to the one who transcended death? So Ouija boards, um, using mediums, any sort of device that's used to communicate with the other side should be completely, completely rejected. I mean, flee from that because again, it opens yourself up to demonic oppression and it is an act of worship. So that's what our kids need to know is look, these things, this is not just fun and games. I mean, I remember the old Ouija board commercials to where it would just show hands moving across it and you just hear voices off screen going, no, it's you who's moving it. No, it's you, it's you. Perhaps it is. Perhaps it is your buddy just moving the the cursor to bring up the letters and that sort of thing. However, when we act in this, this is an act of worship. We are dabbling within the occult, not Christianity. And any sort of life-giving wisdom is only found within Scripture and within the Word of God and seeking out Him, not the dead. So we do not want to go into that realm. Next, we cannot use the occult to fight the occult. Jesus is very clear about this when he was accused of witchcraft himself in Matthew 12, 26. You can, Satan cannot be divided. He cannot fight against himself. So while Teen Vogue, when I was telling you about that article about how to recognize if your house is haunted, they rightly denounced the use of Ouija boards and said, no, you don't want to bring spirits into your house. I was like, yes, awesome. Way to go, Teen Vogue. Except when you went a few lines down, they said, well, here's how you fight ghosts instead. You can do these sort of Wiccan ceremonies, a cleansing ceremony. You can, you know, sprinkle black salt around your home. Folks, let me just be very clear as someone who dabbled in Wicca for a while, a condiment that you put on your steak is not going to be effective in fighting the spiritual realm. 
Demons are strong. They are powerful. You are a finite human being. And I'm sorry, good intentions and a little bit of black salt is not going to fight against it. Now, this is not to say that Satan will not give the illusion that something like this is effective. Again, remember the goal is deception. So that's why you see in these shows, oh, the medium can communicate with the spirit. And oh, when we burn this sage or do this cleansing oil, the the haunting activity stopped. It may stop for a time, but what is the focus? Oh, well, then it was the sage and the medium that stopped the demonic activity. It wasn't the power of Christ. So again, there's deception here. So yes, Satan can work in ways to make it seem like these things are working, but then what is the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to have the glory be given to the medium, to the salt, to the Wiccan prayer instead of that of Christ. So we have to make sure that we're paying attention to what's going on. He's going to make these things look like they work, but the focus is always being pulled away from God. And it is not given by the power of God. So we have to be careful. In fact, we see the problems with this in the story of the seven sons of Sceva. So in Acts 19, 7, or excuse me, in Acts 19, we see the seven sons of Sceva attempting to use the name of Christ to cast out demons. Now, these men were traveling around, kind of being exorcists for their own glory. And they saw, wait a second, the name of Jesus is super effective in casting out the demonic. So they said, well, we're just going to take the name of Jesus and start casting out demons. So they had no faith whatsoever. They were basically just trying to use the name of Jesus like an incantation. And and it did not go well. In fact, the demon recognized, he goes, wait a second, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the ultimate throwdown happened and these men fled the scene, completely naked, beat up, torn apart because they tried to dabble in the name of Jesus like they would dabble in the occult. And what this shows, not only that demons are powerful, but it also shows that when you have a lack of authority in God, because you have unbelief, then the name of God isn't going to work. You can't just throw out the name of Jesus. You can't splatter holy water and just expect it to work without any sort of unbelief, without any sort of authority whatsoever. So that's why it's important to have belief because so often these things are just tossed out willy-nilly. You'll watch these ghost shows and they're, okay, well, we'll, we'll put a little space for the ghosts or we'll burn some sage. And, you know, if that doesn't work, then we'll hire our local Catholic priest to come in and bless. Or if you just say this, this Catholic prayer, then, then the ghosts and things are going to leave. And perhaps that might work for a time, but ultimately it is the authority of Christ that casts out evil and it's instantaneous. It's not this overdramatic affair. No, it is the power of God is effective. It is quick. It is instantaneous, but it does require belief and a relationship with God. You can't just toss it out there. So what do we need to do for our kids? For one, we need to be honest on the spiritual realm for our children. It does exist. The demonic exists. And it is sadly very rare for churches today to deal with spiritual warfare because it sounds a little woo-woo. It sounds a little scary, intimidating, or perhaps they don't fully understand it itself. So it's been kind of tossed aside so people don't take it seriously anymore. But it's important for us to be truthful to our kids. And one of the ways we have to do that is we have to be honest with our kids about death. Now, what I'm about to say is not meant in any way, shape, or form as judgment against anyone, but we do have to be truthful. 
One thing that I've noticed that has been common, and it even is common within the church, is when a loved one passes, especially if there's a child who isn't quite fully comprehending what's happening, oftentimes a parent, in their good intentions, will say things like, well, grandma's watching over you, or do you see that butterfly over there, or that robin on the tree? Well, grandma loved robins. That's actually grandma, and she's watching you, and she just wants you to know that she is safe, and she is healthy right now, and she is happy. And while these may sound nice and they might make a child feel better, this is a an instance where good intentions make for terrible theology because what you've just encouraged your child to do is basically dabble in necromancy. You're now saying that a dead loved one can now embody an object or a an animal, a bug, whatever, and communicate with that child or even with you. And so what happens is, is when that child sees that butterfly or that robin or whatever it may be, they will think, oh, that's grandma communicating with me. They won't think, oh, there is a God who has redeemed me. And there is a God who has redeemed my loved one. And my loved one is no longer suffering because they are in the arms of Jesus right now. They are praising him in heaven right now, which is what we should be teaching our children. So it's important that when a loved one passes, instead of saying, well, this object is grandma, instead you can say, oh, remember how much grandma loved Robins. Oh, and it's so wonderful to think of her, but you know what's even better? Knowing that grandma is walking with Jesus right now, knowing that grandma is without pain in heaven right now, knowing that God loved us so much that he died for us so that when we die, we can go be with him forever. And someday we are going to see our loved ones again and be reunited with them. But that's not even the best part. The best part is that someday when we leave this earth, we're going to be united with Christ. Can you see the difference? One offers hope in the eternal, and the other just offers temporary comfort in the temporary, in just sort of an object, and it diverts their attention away from God instead on looking for signs and wonders to point to the dead relative and not the eternal truths of Christ. So again, when someone passes, be honest with your child about death, but also point back to the beauty and the hope that is within Christ because there is immense hope. And yes, there is time for mourning, but there is also time for immense joy as well. Also, what we encourage is to roar through your cultural heritage. So during the fall, we not only have Halloween, but we also have Dia de los Muertos, and this is a huge holiday where we where Mexican culture celebrates their lost loved ones. They will they will have food that was the favorite of the lost loved one, and there's celebration and lots of symbolism. Now, while it's wonderful, like we said, to remember those who have passed on, there could, there are also some problematic aspects as well. From one of the practices is to bring food offerings at the grave sites of the lost loved ones. So you can roar with that with your children and why perhaps we do not do that. And so it's important to also roar through cultural heritage with your kids. We also want to roar through ghost shows and stories because they're going to come up. I mean, especially if you've got teenagers and they go over to their friend's house they're going to encounter potentially a ghost show. And so what we want to do is to talk about this beforehand when possible. Now, you don't have to necessarily sit your kid down and watch a Paranormal Witness episode. I mean, it, if you feel like that is okay, as long as you're roaring through it with them and explaining what's going on, 
then, you know, put your roar to work, but you don't have to do that. Instead, you can just talk to them. What do you know about ghosts? What have you heard about it? What is, what is interesting to you about ghosts or what are some questions you may have? And then dive into their questions together. If there's something that you don't know, that's perfectly fine. Remember, omniscience is not a spiritual gifting. Instead, say, great question. I'm going to go and do a little bit of research on this and then I'll get back to you. And then hop on your phone, do some research, uh, get it, uh, dive into some books, which we'll include with resource links down below and be able to have these good, fruitful conversations with your kids because more than likely they do have questions. And it's great when we as parents can go and show them how to find answers because research takes time and effort. And it's a skill every single one of us needs to be a good steward of the faith. And as always, whenever you're interacting with these questions, always, always, always point it back to the hope that is within Christ. We are pointing at God's design, the brokenness of sin, the redemption through the cross, and how we find eternal joy and hope in the afterlife with Christ. And so always point back to these spiritual truths in every single question so that your kids are always left with hope rather than maybe uh, anxiety that can potentially come. So that doesn't mean that they're not going to have more questions. They will. But if we're always pointing back to, no, Christ has redeemed us and we can have hope through him, then they're going to walk away from the conversation feeling more equipped and empowered and be more motivated to study their faith. Now I'm going to finish up, but I know that some of you right now probably have a question. And if I'm to guess, I would say it has to do with the witch of Endor. So in 1 Samuel 28, 7 through 20, we see this interesting encounter with Saul and the witch of Endor. Now, Saul had completely been disobedient to God, rejected Samuel and God's word through Samuel. So God had said, all right, fine, I'm not talking to you anymore. And so Saul is facing this huge battle with the Philistines and he's panicking because God is not speaking to him. So what does he do? He goes and seeks out a medium, a medium that he had formally cast out in obedience to God. He goes and finds her because it's okay. I just need to talk to Samuel, the prophet Samuel, to get some advice about this upcoming battle. And so he goes, the medium, he just says, I want to speak to Samuel. This medium had no idea which Samuel he meant. And when Samuel appeared during this seance, she was completely shocked. And she goes, oh my gosh, you're Saul, because Saul had disguised himself. And she had been suspicious of him at first that this might be a trap to get her into trouble. And when she recognized that it was the prophet Samuel that he had asked her to speak to. She freaked out and said, oh my gosh, you're Saul. She was worried that she was going to get killed herself. And Saul goes, no, 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 I just need some advice. And instead, what Samuel does is pronounce judgment upon Saul for his disobedience, for his wicked, for his wickedness. And the very next day, Saul and his sons died in battle. So some of the questions are, well, wait a second, isn't this an example of a medium summoning a ghost? So doesn't that mean that mediums are real and that ghosts are real? Well, not exactly, because we have to know the context. For one, Saul had completely rejected God, so God was not speaking him directly. Now, this could have been fixed if Saul had actually submitted himself to God and repented, but he didn't do that. Instead, he sought out a forbidden source, a medium, to get in contact with Samuel, so that way he could get advice on the battle. So what God allowed is for Samuel to appear 
to pronounce a final judgment upon Saul for, again, his repeated disobedience and his wickedness. Because remember, him even seeking out a medium was an abomination unto the Lord. And everything Samuel said came about, it was true, and it affirmed God's reality. It affirmed his truth and his existence. So no, this does not affirm the use of mediums nor the existence of ghosts. This is just a description not a prescription of how that situation came about, how it handled itself. And so when we look at this situation, this doesn't justify us to use mediums to be able to get in, in contact with the spiritual realm. No, we are always supposed to go directly to God. That is our blessing as being followers of Christ as we get to go directly to God. And it was just an example of Saul, once again, seeking out in his disobedience wisdom and God used it to pronounce judgment upon him. So no, don't take the story of the witch of Endor as proof that we should seek out mediums. Nope, we just go directly to God. Well, Mama and Papa Bears, I hope this podcast has been helpful to give you just a brief overview of the nature of how the world sees ghosts, what ghosts are truly, how we are to interact with the truth and the falsehood within these statements, and how we are to navigate some of the aspects of the spiritual realm with our kiddos so that way they can be empowered to know God's truth and be better witnesses for Christ. I hope you'll join us next time for another Mama Bear Apologetics podcast. Check out our website, mamabearapologetics.com for blogs, podcasts, audio blogs. We're also on social media as well. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook if you have a question or a concern. Very often, your questions will make it into blog posts because we love to tailor our material to meet your needs. We'll see you next time. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.